0: Well, Suns fans, it's eight o'clock. It's Thursday, which means it is time for the Suns Jam Session podcast. I'm John. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. and I'm joined by my co-host, who you can follow on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. Matthew Lissy, Matthew, how you doing today, my friend? Great. How's it going out there,
1: little Jamsters? Cute little guys. Look at. Let me. Hey, turn around. Let me like uh wiggle your little belly right there. You know, <laughs> scratch scratch your little belly. I they're so cute out there. Do you see them or no?
0: No, it's it's one way, man. <laughs> like I gotta teach you how live streaming works. Like yeah. we stream out, they're not streaming in. Now they can always comment in the sections okay. below on you know, whether they're on <laughs> Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, they can do it that way. But yeah, it's uh it's it's one way, Matthew.
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> you're still cute out there. Thanks for watching, everybody.
0: Well, we appreciate everyone stopping by and saying hi. And Matthew, this is our 80th episode. It's our, I think, fourth live stream, but as a podcast, this is our 80th episode on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. What do you That's think of great. that? That's awesome. It, it makes you like think, like,
1: who's going to be our 100th episode guest? I mean, there's right, probably probably people Dave lining King. up, right? People it's, lining
0: up. It's probably Dave King. That's my guess. Probably uh, all right, all right. He's the most famous person that we know, okay? Yeah, I guess so. so. We'll hit up we'll have Dave in, in 20 episodes and see if he wants to okay. join the Suns Jam Session podcast for episode 100. But that's 20 episodes away. This yes. is this is our episode where we're going to talk about some unrestricted free agents that are guards and centers because we covered the forwards on our last one. And We're going to call cover those nasty nets. I was awakened uh, yes, this morning the by the news nets. that Steve Nash is now the head coach of the nets. So we'll discuss that momentarily, but before we get into all that, I have to remind everybody to go ahead and to subscribe to the bright side of the sun podcast network, wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, please press the, press the subscribe button below, uh, hit the little bell. So you get notifications whenever we go live, which is on Sunday at eight and Thursday at 8 PM, all Arizona time, of course, mountain standard time or whatever we're on, uh, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at suns jam, as well as on Instagram, uh, to get all that quality Suns content and those great tweets that we're always putting out there, Matthew. Yes, please follow, and thank you very much for doing so. Yes, we really appreciate it. Uh, but before we get into everything, you know how I do. It's time to crack open a nice cold beer. Are you drinking anything tonight, Matthew? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I don't. Oh, it's a work night.
1: Tomorrow. Yeah, work night. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I stay hydrated all night.
0: Uh, well, I'm gonna hydrate with this beer, and we're gonna talk about the Phoenix. All right, Matthew. We woke up to a notification this morning, uh, probably about 6 o'clock a.m. The Woj bomb, the infamous Woj bomb hit all of our phones. This one truly was a bomb. I mean, Steve Nash is now the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Now, obviously, this isn't technically Suns news, but he's in our hearts. I mean, he's your favorite player of all time, right? I mean, I see Nash up on your wall behind you. I've got the Nash jersey up behind me for those watching on the live stream. So, uh, tell me what your initial thoughts are once you heard that Steve Nash took that head coaching job. It really took me by surprise. I feel like everybody else too, but well-deserved,
1: man. I mean, I couldn't be more excited. I couldn't think of a better team really for him to fit into, especially he's so well-respected by Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving, you know, like he's going to get along with him great. I just can't wait to see that offense. You know, it's going to be a lot of just do whatever you want, guys. I'm just here to coach. I'm going to be here for you guys. But mostly, you know, it's Kevin Durant's team he's going to be able to do what he wants. Kind of like LeBron, you know, it's LeBron's team. So that's mm-hmm. what I think it's going to happen. I'm, I'm very excited for him, dude. I think I've always liked Kyrie Irving. I know he has some weird things he says, but I like a guy that speaks his, speaks for himself. And he mm-hmm. does that. And I think Steve Nash has always done that too. It's a perfect fit. And they're my new favorite team in the East going into next year. Besides yeah? the Miami Heat. Yes, for sure. Wow.
0: Well, I was shocked for sure because Steve Nash doesn't have any coaching experience. And I know that that's a hot topic that came up today, kind of all over social media, all over uh, the jump, everywhere you turned, they were like, well, hold on. You have Ty Lue out there. You have Mark Jackson. You have these different head coaches that have head coaching experience. Why does Steve Nash get the job? And Nash probably doesn't get enough credit for the the behind-the-scenes work that he did, especially with those Golden State Warrior teams. I mean, he joined those teams. I want to say... In 16, 15, or 16. So, and he was a mentor for Steph Curry, who's now, you know, obviously one of the greatest shooters of all time, not just in the league. And his influence on him is something that was noticed by Steve Kerr and noticed by Kevin Durant when Kevin Durant was a member of the Golden State Warriors as well. Nothing but praise from Kevin Durant for Steve Nash. Uh, you also have to look at the fact that the general manager of the Nets is Sean Marks, who is a former Phoenix Sun. Once upon a time, Sean Marks played for the Phoenix Suns, so he has a relationship with Nash. So you kind of couple all that together. We know that the guys really kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes are Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in this case. So that's why Nash is in place over there, I feel. They feel like he's going to give them the best chance to win. Uh, Do I agree Mm -hmm. with him being hired there? Not necessarily. Again, he has no coaching experience. This isn't like... he started like Luke Walton on the bench with the Lakers as a, as a coach winning championships and then going on to uh, Sacramento and failing there miserably, or like Jason Kidd in Milwaukee. Uh, I just, I'm interested with the move. I get why they did it. Uh, but I still don't know if they're not my second favorite team or my first favorite team in the East because of this move. I will always support Steve Nash. I mean, what he did for Phoenix and what he brought to the Valley is something that can never be replaced. And, and can never truly be appreciated. If the further away we get from it and the further we get away from Steve Nash in the playoffs, the more we do appreciate it. But I'm still a little confused by, by it. I'm, I'll have to see it. I, don't, I still see him as an overly vocal, vocal guy.
1: No, you don't see that, but he leads by example a lot. And plus, like coaching, like you were saying, he has, doesn't have a lot of coaching experience. But when you're talking about coaches, it's like, who? what player would you not want to coach? Kyrie Irving. So, I think I'm just saying that I feel like there's a lot of coaches out there with coaching experience that wouldn't want to handle Kyrie Irving in a way. And I think this is just the perfect fit. I think coaching is just different nowadays. I mm-hmm. feel like you'll even see more of like the player coaching coming back when like Magic Johnson used to be a player coach. I can see LeBron being a player coach where he's going to play like if he's playing for five more years, maybe the last two years he's coaching the team and playing. Like I just, I can see that happening. And I think it's a great fit just because it's not like he's going to be a buddy, but he's always been a great mentor. He listens to the players. He understands the players. And I think that's all they need nowadays to go out there and win a game. I really think that's it. I feel like if you have Kevin Durant as your leader, the second best player in the league, maybe behind LeBron, maybe the best player in the league. Like I think that's fantastic, dude. I think this is going to work out great. And I, I just I would like to see the pieces around. Maybe they keep the same team. Maybe they go at it with the same exact group. And then you have... Maybe Carol Subvert might not be there next year. But besides that, I feel like you'll have the same group plus Kevin Durant plus Kyrie. And they're going to do some damage, dude. I'm excited to watch.
0: Well, I like what uh, Cyrus A.A.A. said in the chat. I think play calling will be amazing just because of his court vision time and time again. And he also added that Nash is going to help these guys see things that they may not have looked for before. And Cyrus, I think that's a fantastic point when you look at Steve Nash and kind of the way that he sees the game, especially when you have the talent that is Kyrie Irving. Uh, He's somebody who already can blow by anybody in the league. But if you have Steve Nash during practice day in and day out, breaking down film with these guys talking about what he sees from just standing on the court and plus the film, it is going to do nothing but benefit them. I mean, make no mistake about it. The nets are going to be a force next year with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant coming at you in the Eastern conference, which is, we know is a little bit weaker. It's going to be really fun to watch that team. Uh, I think they're also going to be your second favorite team besides the heat, because you love the uniforms and you love the court in Brooklyn too. Right. Yep, that's a big part of it, man. Why do you think people don't like to
1: watch the Nuggets and the Jazz? It's because their names are the Nuggets and the Jazz, (laughs) and they have the worst colors. I I think that's a big part of it.
0: (laughs) Well, and I also like what uh, Raymond Gonzalez said in the chat He's like, maybe we have a trade partner in the East now. Yeah, fingers crossed. I agree with that. Maybe we do have some sort of Eastern Conference connection now that James Jones can use and exploit to maybe pull something out of uh, the old trade hat moving forward you know so again just very interesting news not necessarily Suns related but definitely something i wanted to discuss because steve nash is in our hearts man and i'm definitely rooting for him i mean it's gonna be it's gonna be fun seeing him on the sideline and i'm interested to see what kind of hairdo he brings i mean i was watching something the other day and they, i think it was the 2010 Suns, and they were showing a bunch of the promo videos and you have Shaq and you have amari and then you had steve nash with like I can't even describe what his haircut looked like at that time. Like he didn't know what, to, he used to have the long hair and then he could like cut it short. And then there was like this period where it's like, it was like long and short. It was just Steve Nash.
1: Yeah. Funny, he's going to have the LA guy. haircut When you, when he went to LA, he got the LA haircut. He'll yes. still have that. He looks he, fine in it, you know, I'm sure he was nervous to see how he looked in it, but he looks fine. Do you think Maybe he'll the, slick it back
0: like Pat Riley?
1: Oh, no, I doubt it. But hopefully he doesn't do those frosted tips like oh, had God he had with
0: league. Oh, those are great. Those are no. great photos. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about unrestricted free agents. There's plenty that are going to be out there. And it's something that at the Suns Jam session, we're just trying to navigate right now and educate both our listeners and ourselves on who's going to be available from an unrestricted free agent standpoint. Uh, we're going to start with some of the guards that are going to be out there. Uh, again, we don't know if the Suns are going to take a stab at these guys, if they're going to pursue them, or if they're just going to kind of let it be. So let's uh, – do, do you think that they need a guard? Let me start there with you. I mean, we've had this kind of – this uh, conversation back and forth. Should they go with a wing? Should they try to pursue a guard? Are, we're pretty deep at guard, although that we're not mm-hmm. talent deep at guard. What, what are your thoughts on guards to begin with?
1: So, I mean, if if you're thinking about – backing up booker with a shooter or someone and play the two guard maybe but point guard no we're good because i've said it over and over i want cam johnson i want javon carter back next year but if you're looking for someone that's a lights out shooter then yeah maybe that kind of guy but right now i feel like we have the guard depth i would rather go for the wings of the big guys because you know baines will be gone um but besides that i just i think that we are good at guard i really am what do you think though
0: I'm kind of in the same boat. I think that a wing is the way to go. I think that in this league, you can never have too many wings. Uh, There's the Kelly Oubre situation. We don't know how that's going to manifest itself this upcoming offseason or the end of next season. So knowing both of those things combined, adding depth at the wing is something that could benefit this team, not only in the short term, but for the long term. When you talk about the draft, it's like, do you go wing or do you go point guard or shooting guard? Because, I mean, we know that Devin Booker needs a backup there. So I'm not 100% sure if the Suns are going to go guard in the draft or go guard via free agency. But I think with the depth at guard that we currently have, we should be okay. I don't know if we're going to be okay uh, in the long term because I just don't feel like it's going to be consistent. Having campaign, having Javon Carter, if we choose to bring him back – they're, they're great guys to have coming off the bench, and we saw that in the bubble, but is that sustainable for an entire season?
1: Yeah, but that's going to be the question a lot for going to next year. It's like, what's sustainable from what you saw in
0: mm-hmm. the bubble?
1: Because you see a lot of players right now, especially um, the guy, oh my God, what's his name from the freaking uh, Denver Nuggets? Jamal Murray. Jam- yeah jamal murray i mean the guy is all of a sudden he's like the next um great player ever but it might have just been the bubble so that's what i was thinking with campaign like he was shooting lights out but how much is it going to affect him when he's playing in front of fans because that's yeah. going to be a big deal so that might be well, we, we might be looking back on this and be like yeah we should have went out and got someone else that can back up booker instead of having two point guards so um there's some mm-hmm. guys but non unrestricted free agents i feel like maybe someone else will have to sign and trade for but we'll go through this list and see maybe if there's someone that you like
0: and that I yeah like. yeah we'll see if uh if james jones is watching if we can help him with the decision so unrestricted free agent guards the first guy we're going to talk about is Scorin Gorin dragic Dragic Dragic. I can- <laughs>
1: yeah it's fine you usually get on the fourth time. It's fine. Yes. Yes.
0: But Scoring Goren, 34 year old point guard, is coming off a seventeen million dollar contract with Miami. Gonna be an unrestricted free agent. Would he be the ideal backup point guard shooting guard in Phoenix once again? Would we bring him back?
1: <laughs> no, there's no way, right? I mean, he's not first of all, he's not gonna be a backup. He's gonna be a starter. I mean, he's you think so it though, because that's yeah. what he's doing in
0: Miami. He's backing no, but, up. Oh, go ahead. I was saying he was backing up uh, Kendrick Nunn and the other guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know for sure, but he's putting up great numbers. I'm just saying if he's going to go anywhere, for like next year to another team, he would probably stay in Miami to be a backup for sure. But I feel like the way he's been playing, especially in the playoffs, he's averaging 25 and five. But then again, that's bubble numbers. So who knows for sure? He is seriously probably going to look for someone first where he can be a starter. If not, I know he's getting up there. He's a sneaky 34 years old, but he's 34. I know there's no way he's going
0: to be a starter in the NBA. I
1: don't know. I could see him being a starter for a team. Um, And I honestly think that if he were to come back to Phoenix, it's not like he would want to. The fans would love that though. The fans would love to have Gorham back. Hell yeah. But I mean, it's, it's like, I don't feel like he would want to, I know that everything's changed here and I feel like we have better management, all that, but I don't think you can have him come back. Right. I
0: would love to have him back. I know every Me Phoenix too, Sun yeah. fan probably would, uh, you know, again, shout out to Raymond Gonzalez. The prodigal son is what he called scoring Goren in the chat. And he, that's what he is, man. I mean, he's one of us. We love him, but mm-hmm. I think that he's been scorned by this organization to the point that he's going to not want to come back and play for us. I do think he's the ideal kind of backup combo guard that in unrestricted free agency, we could pursue yeah. I, I don't want to go down the avenue of like how much of these guys are going to cost, because I feel like on our last podcast when we were talking about our wings, I was making decisions based off of that. Like, well, you know, I would love yeah. to have this guy, but like, I just don't know, see how his contract works. I'm just trying to look for guys who would fit with this team when it comes to guard play. I think scoring Goran Dragic would be a perfect fit with the Phoenix Suns. Will he come back due to the he organizational works. history that he has, the bad blood with Sarver, It's not going to happen. It's not. It's too bad, though, right? <laughs> it is. It is too bad, because I really it liked is. him. Who's uh, Who's next up on the list?
1: All right, so we got Glenn Robinson the third. What mm-hmm. do you think about this guy? Huh? You think he can come in and help the scoring off the bench, or what?
0: Well, without a doubt. I mean, the guy is a scorer. Uh, you know, good, good shooting guard depth that I feel like we do need, knowing that Campaign and Javon Carter, even though in the bubble they were playing backup to Devin Booker. They're not true backups to Devin Booker. That's where I really feel there's an opportunity with guard. It's not so much on the point guard position. Rubio's got that locked up. If you do a Javon Carter slash campaign duo backup at point guard, I feel like as long as you get somebody who's a good scorer next to them, Mm -hmm. it'll be a successful. And I think that Glenn Robinson, the third is somebody who could do that. I mean, he averaged 11.7 points per game in Philly this year. Um, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on GR3? I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot. of It's not
1: really a sexy pick. It's not really someone that I feel like in this organization now, it would be a player we would go get. Maybe in the old term, we would have Glenn Robinson the third come in and have a workout or something like that. But I want someone that you can at least for sure know he's going to be a consistent 40% shooter from the three-point line. I know he kind of averages about 37, 36. It's kind of weird to me. I feel like nowadays, if you want someone to come in just to be a scorer, I want to see them, and you're going to pay him some decent money. He'd probably be a little bit cheaper, but I want them to be above like the forty percent mark from the three point line. Um, But I just, I'm still sticking with um, Cam and Javon, honestly, on this. But honestly, I would like to see maybe a sign and trade or something to do with like Luke Kennard or something like that. If you're going to get like a Glenn Robinson the third, that's agreed.
0: Yeah, a sign and trade would make more sense. I also think that Glenn Robinson the third is a player who wouldn't be necessarily pursued by the Suns. Uh, uh-huh. you look at James Jones and kind of the way that he approaches his free agents. And granted, we have a very short history of what that process looks like, but I feel like Glenn Robinson's kind of like an Eastern conference guy and he has rapport with other yeah. organizations and it's, it, we're just kind of off the beaten path to him. But you started your point with something very, uh, very poignant. You know, this is an unsexy player that you really don't think of. It's always the guy who we end up getting. We don't really get the sexy players here anymore. This isn't getting Charles Barkley. Uh, you know, in free agency, or Steve Nash. You know, we haven't been able to land a big free agent in quite some time. And granted, none of these guys are, you know, big free agents. But it's just he—he'll probably be the guy we end up with because he is unsexy.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I'm going the opposite way. I feel like it's really turning around to where it is a sexy destination. Maybe. I mean, how much more do you want? Like Kendall Jenner's here. Oh Paradise no, we're definitely Valley. people we're, are hanging out.
0: We're becoming a sexy generation now, <laughs> yeah. or a destination, destination now, and generation. Um, yeah, yeah we're in a generation of a sexy destination for the Phoenix suns, yes. but it's yet to manifest yeah. itself. We haven't seen those yeah. free agent signings other than Kelly Oubre raising his hand last year and saying, yes, I want to be here. I mean, this might be a bad comparison, but I almost feel like Kelly Oubre is kind of like Larry Fitzgerald. Cause Larry Fitzgerald was the first Cardinal to be like, you know what? I want to stay in Arizona. Yeah. Everybody's like, what? Yeah. You want to it's stay just like in Arizona? Right. Exactly. Right. You know, it, and it changed crazy. the culture. But you have three
1: players that are saying that they want to be here now and that they would love to be in Phoenix the rest of their careers, blah, 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 all that stuff. So that's what other players want to hear. You know yes. what I mean? We just haven't had that in forever. So,
0: well, and that's why this offseason is so important for the Suns. Is what we can do in this offseason is really going to let us know the weight of what that generational destination is for the Phoenix yeah. Suns. And granted, mm-hmm. it's a tough offseason to navigate with COVID and everything of that nature. But still, like, if we land a, a mid level name, it's just going to add to that. Hey, whatever's going down there in Phoenix, I want to be a part of it. Exactly. Uh, and it's I don't know if Glenn be. Robinson is going to be that guy.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I kind of hope not, but yeah, uh, we'll we'll see. I don't. If we do get him, I wouldn't be too mad. He's a guy, kind of like I want to be upset if we got him. But agreed. Yeah, let's. Let, we should probably move on to some other guy because I don't know. I don't see well, him being here in
0: Phoenix, but. All right, well, let's go with an old, another old uh, man. There's not a yeah. lot of great guards, FYI. Like as I went through this list, <laughs> yeah. the unrestricted free agent list for, for for guards and centers, yeah. like there's not a lot of great guys that, coming in this year. You yeah, know, it's not, it's, it, this isn't last year or two years ago, where you're like Kyrie Irving. Like, there's none of those names are out there. I My next use, name, use, go, go ahead. Un-
1: oh yeah, I'm just saying I use the unsexy, um, you know, <laughs> definition too early for these guys. So yeah, yeah go every ahead.
0: one of these is unsexy. This next one is super yeah. unsexy. <laughs> This is Marco Bellinelli, 34-year-old yeah. Italian, had a down season this past year, 6.3 points per game in 15.5 minutes per game, and a lot of people think he's done. Do you think that he's past his prime? I think the only thing he can really do
1: that's left um, you hate to like count out these Spurs guys, but honestly, cause he just, he's just a Spurs guy for life. Right. I think that he, honestly, he can be a great leader in the clubhouse, someone like that. I don't think you have to pay a lot. Of course we won't get into how much he's going to earn, but on the court, you know, we have that youth. I think he's a little too old for the situation we have going on now I think we have a leadership, maybe some veterans that are a little bit around 30, not going to be 34, 35. I think that's a little bit, that's a little bit pushing it. So I, I, I just wouldn't like this signing. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on them?
0: I'm going to agree with Raymond Gonzalez in the chat. No, yeah, perfect. So. <laughs> uh, Marco yeah. Bellinelli, uh, good luck on whatever you do next. I mean, whatever that contract brings you wherever you end up. I hope that it's just not with the Phoenix Suns. He's the kind of guy who's going to end up in like Charlotte and we'll never hear from him again. I don't think the Suns could. Yes, I could too. And he'll, and he'll get a lot of starts there because they're always injured and, you know, just not playing well. I just, (laughs) if the Suns bring in Marco Bellinelli, that's kind of like a white flag. Just being like, um, couldn't get anybody else. And it's like, who I'd rather have Elia Eliakoa almost just because he's younger and there's at least an opportunity to scratch the surface of maybe something that's acceptable. Marco Bellinelli is past his prime. He's put a lot of minutes in the NBA and he's played a lot of minutes in international play. Uh, he's a champion in both international play and with the San Antonio Spurs. So that's like, if you want to try to find a silver lining and bring in Bellinelli to Phoenix, that's what it would be. Like if I was to write an article for Brightside tomorrow and say, after we got Marco Bellinelli tonight, I'd be like, well, you know, he brings championship experience. Maybe it'll rub off on Devin Booker. Like that's all I could really say to try to spin, spin that positively. There's not much positive there.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what they're trying to surround Devin Booker with is a championship experience. Like last year, Aaron Baines, like you got to get these guys in there that can show them, you know, how difficult it is to be really good in this league. You know, we can barely surface the 30 wins. So we need that guy to help us. All right. We only got a couple more. Who do you got next? All right. So coming up next is DJ Augustine. Mm -hmm. Is this? I I feel like this is one of those guys that like really kills the Suns, and he's on every team in the league. I you know I know I just I think that this is of course again not another sexy player. Someone that I don't really find to be a fit for the Suns. Maybe he maybe he would in your eyes, but I just don't think he can really contribute to this team at this time. I think he's just someone that is going to be just a good role player for a. Uh, like a lackluster team, someone, some, some team that you just know will not be in the playoffs next year. Maybe that is the Suns, but <laughs> I, I just, I'm not, I'm not down with the picking up DJ Augustine.
0: Well, do you know who the, the four point play is on Twitter? No, I did not. Great read. He's got a sub stack that you can subscribe to and read some of his articles and does a fantastic job, not only with article writing, but with videos that he puts on YouTube breaking down different players. And this past week, he put one out about DJ Augustine breaking down his play in the bubble. And it, you watch it and you start to get a little bit hyped. You're like, okay, I like DJ. Like, he's got a very nice offensive game. Uh, I agree with uh, a lot of people. You know, Booked on Sun says poor man's FVV. Absolutely right. And he also says that I feel like Augustine has been in the league for 20 years. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I feel like the guy's been in the league forever. I feel like he does have a really good offensive game, but I think he's like five, nine. It feels like, I mean, if I want to go get a short guard, I'll just, you know, sign Javon Carter back and get some defense yeah. instead of a guy who can run a little bit of offense. Who's going to be part of your second team. So he's not going to get a lot of minutes with Aiton because what the four point play referenced in one of his uh, videos was, Augustine's ability to run the pick and roll and how he does it very well. Well, he's not going to get a lot of minutes with Ayton. So I feel like he's just one of those guys who, uh, he's an Orlando guy and that's exactly where he should be. I don't know where he's going to get, end up in the off season. Charlie- yeah, everyone just ends up in Charlotte. All these, all yeah. these un, un, all these unsexy, unrestricted free agent guards are gonna be yeah. in Charlotte. So
1: drafted, yeah, drafted by Charlotte. Plus, he has this face, He has a face where you Google him and you look him up for like research for this podcast. And I feel like every time I see him, he looks different. He's not the same guy. So I don't even know. He ages, he ages he a is. lot in all of his
0: time that he's been <laughs> in the NBA. Hey man, maybe that's it. <laughs> uh, another guy that I wanted to talk about that I actually would be a fan of getting is uh Justin holiday from the Indiana Pacers. Uh, he's okay. he's six foot six, 180 pounds. He's a shooting guard. So, you know, I love my shooting guards. He comes from, uh, the holiday basketball lineage with Aaron mm-hmm. holiday. And I think they have another brother. Um, but he's somebody who I really like cause he's, he's a good defensive player. I like those defensive guys who come in off the bench and can really shut down, opposing guards and if you can do that and you have somebody else who can score you know especially with cam johnson potentially being somebody who comes in off the bench um dario sharch if he, they continue to have him coming off the bench next year plus potentially whoever we draft next year then you can take that guard play and then yeah you do have the cam johnson slash javon carter combo and you throw in a little justin holiday like is that sexy to you is that the first time we can use sexy on this podcast in a positive yeah, yeah. manner
1: It's a good name. Yeah. Big King Tuna 777. I think he pointed that out earlier. So I was looking him up too, because I, I got to get familiar too with him because I don't, I wasn't really familiar coming into this podcast, but honestly, it's better to have the guy that's, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get someone that's defensively pretty, pretty, pretty good on, you know, and I, I think that it's better because we we're talking about Elliot Kobo earlier. It's better to have a guy that's just, you know, a lockdown defensive guy instead of someone coming in the bench and just turn the ball over, throwing up terrible shots like yes. that. At least you have somebody that's zo- like honed in on some, some sort of the, some sort of part of the court, you know, like he can actually play some good defense and mm-hmm. I would rather have that. I would, I really would. Um, so I, it might be like maybe the first sexy pick like first sexy pickup from this really disgusting podcast where we're talking well, about. These well, guys.
0: It'd be interesting to see again. I don't want to go too much into the contracts, but I mean, he had a $4.7 million contract with Indiana this last year. So he is somebody we could potentially bring in who brings a defensive presence. And we could get at a nice price. So maybe that is kind of a James Jones kind of guy. Uh, And I completely agree with your point. You had a hard time kind of getting there, but I agree with it. It's If somebody can come in and focus on one area that doesn't involve turning over the ball, if he can come over and play defense, what that does is it slows the other team down because they have to account for him. It takes that time that Booker's off the court, and it almost shrinks it. Because of the defensive possessions, you know, the, the teams aren't coming down and shooting the ball with 20 seconds left on the shot clock. They're shooting it with eight or six. And that starts to add up. And that, again, any, anytime you have Booker on the court and he's scoring points, that's good for the team. If Justin Holiday's on the court with Javon Card and they're shutting down the opposing guards and especially the bench guards of opposing teams, and you're letting Cam Johnson cook and you're letting Sharks kind of hustle and whoever, you know, we bring in as far as a center is concerned or maybe another wing. Uh, it's a positive for the Suns, and I think it's a good ro- uh, roster construct.
1: Definitely, definitely, definitely. And it's funny, because when we keep going through this list, I just feel like none of these guys are going to be a great fit. But it looks like we got <laughs> a few more a few more guys, right? Well, I'm
0: going to name off four more unrestricted free agent guards that are going to be available in the 2020 un- uh, free agency class. You yep. just tell me yes or no on these guys. Ready? Dion Waiters. Uh, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I, no, I mean... no.
1: <laughs> he he's just he's doing his own business. You can't really talk to the guy. Pat Connington. Like Uh,
0: No, I like him. I think he's got a good game. Uh, but again, I just feel like I have Javon Carter. He's just Javon Carter light. You know, he's a little bit shorter and uh, has a little bit more of an offensive game. He's a Notre Dame guy though, so I do like him for that. Uh, Emmanuel Mudiay. Remember when he was supposed to be traded to the Suns? I think it was last season or the season yeah, before. Actually,
1: I do remember that man, I, and I'm kind of I like, do like what? him yeah i'm just kind of like what happened because i know like last year he was doing pretty good for the knicks but i mean you don't really you can't really buy into those stats what they're putting up there so i mean he started almost the whole year almost averaged 15 points so i just i don't know i i don't think i really saw enough of him this year in utah to really get a good scope of him.
0: agreed and last but not least reggie jackson
1: no i that's a hard that's a hard head guy right yeah. you know what i mean like he's just like Dion waiters he's doing his own thing out there he's got to be on the championship team with the alpha dogs and he'll he'll follow he'll follow but he'll do his own thing too as well if that makes any sense
0: no i'm with you 110 he just kind of he's uh, the captain of his own boat and yeah. i don't know if i want that on my team i want team i don't want a bunch of individuals coming off the bench Thank all right you, you want to talk about some unrestricted free agent centers Yeah, that sounds exciting. Let's let's do this. You know, think about the Suns, okay? Aaron Baines is gone unless somehow, some way, the Suns can offer him something that wants to Hmm. keep him here and on a discounted contract. I mean, he's, what, 34, 35 years old. Uh, He's going to probably try to cash in one more time, whether it be a one- or two-year deal with another team that's going to pay him. He's definitely the type of player who won't be in Phoenix next year because a big team, or I wouldn't say a big market team, but a championship contending team will probably be willing to throw Fifteen to twenty million dollars his way for one year. That's a guarantee. <laughs> he'll probably end up in Philly because for so, some too. reason he'll, uh, he'll 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 throw they throw yeah. money at fucking any, anybody. Yeah, yeah. So Aaron Baines is probably gone. So that really leaves a void at center. Uh, Frank Kaminsky. We don't know if he'll be back next season. Uh, he's a restricted free agent, right? What's his deal? I always forget. on big Frank.
1: No, Frank. Actually, he should be here. I think he has a one more year, right? Let me actually. I'll, I can Google that. Yeah, you Google you
0: it can. while I talk. I think he's I a team.
1: I just got Google in my apartment, so nice. You got yeah. Google. I'm proud of you. <laughs> you're so over the MSN days. Yeah. yeah, he has one more year. It's uh, it's is the it's team years. option. Uh, it's just no, nothing.
0: Just one okay. more year on the contract. But still, if he's your backup center, you're not doing well. Okay,
1: no, not at all. No.
0: So let's talk about some of the unrestricted free agent centers. Not a whole slew of them, because the center kind of is a dying breed in the NBA. I mean, there's like Joel Embiid. There's like Anthony Davis, who's Kind of not a center, you know. He plays like a lot of these guys who are even who are built like centers. You know, Porzingis, he's seven two. The guys like he plays like a fucking two guard. So, uh, but let's mm-hmm. start with the first guy, and that would be Hassan Whiteside. Your boy. Could you could you see him coming off the bench and spelling DeAndre Ayton?
1: I could see it. I could see it. Um, if you ran the team, definitely Hassan Whiteside would be there for five years, hundred million dollars if you ran the Suns, <laughs> but no, honestly, I think, uh, it would be good, but he's going to get paid a lot of money. Do
0: you and think I th- so though?
1: I think so because I think a lot of teams still see an upside with him. They see him in the bubble. He was playing great in the bubble. He played pretty decent in the bubble, but when it comes to the regular season day in, day out, he's so inconsistent. He just he'll throw up the numbers, but they are legitimately like empty numbers. I feel like for a team, it's just he will frustrate the shit out of you. And if we go into next year and Aiden is still the same way to where he's frustrating us kind of on the offensive end, not being as aggressive as he should be just a little bit more. Then you have Hassan Whiteside come in. He had the same thing like that would give me a migraine instantly. Um, I, I think that Hassan Whiteside does have good upside. I just don't think the motors there. And I think it's too far into his career already to really think like, okay, maybe this guy can turn it around. Maybe he could, maybe for a great coach like Steve Nash, maybe he could turn it around. But honestly, I just would not want to see him here in Phoenix.
0: Yeah. He's the motor is obviously the biggest issue with the Sun white side. I mean, I wouldn't say consistency is an issue because he led the league in rebounding this year. Uh, he led the league in blocks, I believe too. So, I mean, he definitely puts up the numbers, but it's, kind of an empty number when you actually watch the game he is a hard watch don't get me wrong he's great to play with on 2k i love having us on white side on my 2k team uh because yeah. he just he dominates because in a video game where there is no true like hustle stat to hustle badge if you will uh he can dominate but i feel like the motor is an issue but if the price is right and i hate to say the price is right because that's kind of the downfall to all these guys he's definitely somebody i would i, I love to bring in he doesn't space the floor, but you know what? Frank Kaminsky does space the floor. And I don't like that when he's in the game, I want yeah. somebody who I know will can grab offensive and defensive rebounds. When our second team unit is on, I want somebody who can challenge Deandre Ayton during practice and get up in his grill a little bit. Cause Hassan Whiteside is a physical guy. You know, the issue obviously is he had his last contract was four years, 98 million. That's what Miami gave him. And they traded that to uh, the Portland trailblazers Blazers. And he performed. Uh, So maybe you are right. Maybe he does get a pretty big chunk of change from whoever's willing to pay for him. Uh, If he's somebody who the Suns could somehow work the contracts and get him in here, it's not going to be sexy. I mean, -hmm. as as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you know, this is a league that you need wings. You need scoring wings if you want to be successful, who can also play defense. The three and D guy is who this league is now catered towards. So. Having DeAndre Ayton, and then if you went and spent a bunch of money on a backup center, I wouldn't be happy, would you?
1: No. And I think this league is really catered towards whoever can get you a championship. But honestly, I think that Hassan Whiteside, you're talking about space in the floor. Well, Kaminsky sucks at it because he can't, he can have a good one game out of five games where he hits three or four threes. It's just the consistency. So if we're not getting that off the bench, I just don't want to be frustrated with that. No, especially so- with someone as <laughs> old as him.
0: Baines or Whiteside?
1: Uh, dude, that's tough. Baines.
0: Yeah, I got go so. to go Baines there too. Because Baines can rebound and can shoot the three ball. Now, obviously, I don't expect him to shoot it at the same clip that he did last year. But still, like it, at least it's somewhat of a threat. And I like the big red beard man dude. So, yeah. All right, wh- Who's next on the list?
1: All right, so let's see here. Let me bring my list up here. A little unprepared. Uh, uh New Orleans Noel. And this is uh number six overall pick. Made mm-hmm. two million dollars last year, which is crazy. I mean, this that guy I don't feel like clips over two million a year his whole career. So he's he's a solid guy. I'll just get my stuff out
0: of the way. Yeah, please.
1: So he's a solid guy, I feel like, for during the regular season, he puts up pretty decent numbers. Uh he comes in, he contributes, especially when you have good leadership on the team, like with Chris Paul. I think that really helped him a lot, but he's going to be a consistent like 10 and 10 and five guy off the bench, but also it's not a guy you want to crunch time either, which is fine. Cause he'll be a bench guy. So you don't really need them there in crunch time. But I, I have like an, I have an OKC fan and I was watching the game last night with him and mm-hmm. poor guy, but he was really excited. New Orleans Noel wasn't even playing in the game. Cause it's hard to watch the guy when the game matters. Cause he just is not there yet, and I don't think he will ever get there where he can contribute on uh, as the number 6 overall pick where someone you would think would be a start in this league. He just never got there. What do you think about him?
0: He's somebody – I mean, he nailed it. You just, I don't know if he can get there. Uh, he's somebody who just has been very injury-prone in his career. He came out in his first season. He was the number 6 – I mean, that he was part of the process. He was one of the first building blocks of the process, and part of that process is they shipped his ass to Dallas. And he performed okay there, but again, he had a hard time staying healthy. I mean, the guy's averaged over 11 points in his career just one time, and that's back when he used to be a starter. He's been a bench guy ever since he uh, came to OKC for the past two seasons and hasn't really put up numbers that wow you. Uh, He's somebody who I feel doesn't – I mean, you might as well get Hassan Whiteside because you're going to get somebody who can actually rebound the ball. I mean, he doesn't rebound – he doesn't score. He doesn't shoot threes, uh, and yeah. you know if, if if you look at him from kind of a defensive standpoint, like yeah, he gets like one point five blocks per game, but you can get that from Hassan Whiteside. So again, I mean contracts and all that stuff. I I've I always rooted for Nerland's Noel. I always wanted him to do well, oh, even yeah, when he went too. to Dallas. But like he just like you said, he just can't get there. He's, he's he can't get over that hump.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's he's a little too slow. Um Really slow reactions. So I I just I feel like he just he got to where he wanted to in the draft. He got paid pretty decently. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean he got what he wanted, but he's never been a type where he's talked too much. That's what that's why you can root for him, because he's never talked his game up too much. Everyone just expects him to be great because he got these tall guys coming out of college, and you think the next center, like Joel Embiid and stuff, are are gonna be great players, and they just don't turn out that way, which is fine. And he's he's owned his
0: role too. So I appreciate that. Well, next on our list is a guy who was drafted two years after New Orleans Noel from number three pick and hasn't panned out as well. And uh, that's Jalil Okafor. Uh, yeah. The 24-year-old averaged eight and four in a bench role with the Pelicans this past season. Could he be a steal for Phoenix or is he just kind of is who he is? Just kind of like Derek Favors, who's also uh, with yeah. New Orleans. They, they're they almost like the same guy, just plays in different positions. That's how I kind of look at them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Same as that kind of guys. And I feel like... Um, Maybe he can give you a little bit more than Noel and he's cheaper. So maybe that is a steal. If you're saying that's a steal, that might be the steal they need. Cause I feel like at this point in his career, you know who he is mm-hmm. and I got to pay too much for him. And I feel like he could be a solid bench guy. And I think he's kind of proved that another guy you think well, that would be a starter in the league coming out of college didn't happen. Now I feel like he's just kind of owned what he is just like Joel. So these guys are kind of similar. So, um i it's not a guy i feel like the suns will go after but honestly if they did i wouldn't be too upset for this for the signing
0: yeah it's uh like bob barker man if the price is right you know it's uh bring him on in uh todd jacobs jacobson in the the chat crazy he's only 24 i thought he was 31 or something isn't that unbelievably true it's just (laughs) a little four.
1: it's crazy (laughs) it just Just feels like like he's been in the league forever like Whiteside, Whiteside's 30, something like 31, 30. What, what is he? 30? And you would think like he's like 23 or 24. It's just yeah. you can't get a good read on these guys. It's weird.
0: Yeah. Uh there is some interesting banter going on in the Facebook chat. So oh. remember, you can follow this on Facebook, Twitter, or on YouTube, wherever you're gonna get your live stream. That's where we're doing it. And uh Boyd, our good friend Boyd, what about Dwight? Hmm. Nah, not Dwight. I mean, he was, yeah, <laughs> but he come here
1: he's actually i mean he's not been terrible he's been kind of productive for the lakers which is kind of cool kind of cool to see because i've always rooted for dwight he's kind of been a jerk and an outcast that kind of guy but i always rooted for him to find some peace and i feel like he's found it in la so too bad he's a laker i just even though i like lebron never mind we won't go down that hole
0: (laughs) here we go well let's let's change things up a little bit here because uh, you know, again, those are our thoughts on these unrestricted free agents. We've covered our wings, we've covered yeah. our guards, we've covered our centers. There's no one truly out there other than like Serge Ibaka is somebody I think that we both on the last podcast were big fans of. If somehow we can land that name, I think that would be something that'd be really productive for the Suns. Again, if the price is right, but I think that unrestricted free agency isn't going to be where the Suns are going to necessarily make a splash this off season. It's going to be a sign and trade. It's going to be some sort of yeah. trade if we want to get a, that next name in here. We're going to have to go that route. And then, you know, what we can do on one of these upcoming podcasts is talk about some of the trade targets that are out there because you're starting to see a lot of those names percolate out there. And I like what I'm seeing when it comes to fit with a lot of these guys. So mm. we'll we'll discuss that in a little bit more or in a, at a later date. Uh, but I think it's now time to talk about the NBA playoffs and share some of our thoughts. You ready for the new drop? Let's do it. Let's do it. Thoughts.
1: Um,
0: brains? <laughs> oh man i'm a nerd i love it <laughs> so let's talk about some different things that are going on in the nba right now uh mad props to brandon ingram on getting the most improved player award what was interesting is when he was interviewed about receiving that award he was in paradise valley arizona what are your thoughts on that matthew yeah is that devin booker's house he's in it might be i don't
1: Oh, I mean, I've seen. I've Devin never Booker been to
0: Devin Booker's house, so I couldn't really oh, tell yeah.
1: you. Okay, yeah. Well, I've seen some of it inside. He's on the tour, so it kind of looks familiar. But, uh, dude, that's awesome! Like, can you imagine this guy being on the team? This is why I love the off so much because these guys will go to certain places. You're like, oh, what are they doing there? Like, it's just so fun to like have the off season coming because you know we're gonna see a lot of stuff and we won't get who we want, but we can dream. Because honestly, if this guy was on our team, oh my god, I would oh, love it. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would be. I would be. I just. I can't even get the words out of my mouth. Of course, but honestly, it's weird because what's going on in New Orleans is like they get rid of Gentry, and then you start thinking like, what's what's really going on? Why did they get rid of Gentry? I know they didn't do good in the bubble, but they were kind of getting things together. Zion was hurt. Do You think the fit between Zion and Brandon Ingram just might not be good? Do you think they might be looking for a trade suit of what Brandon Ingram, who just won? play most improved player and also went to the he's an all-star like i think that's crazy like what do you think about this dude well
0: he's an unrestricted free agent so they potentially could just wash their hands of him if potentially he doesn't feel or if the front office doesn't feel like he's the correct fit next to zion i think what's also troubling about new orleans other than the fact that they fired alvin gentry for an eight game performance in the bubble when they were a team that wasn't even slotted to be in the playoffs is the fact that Lonzo Ball is somebody who who wants out too, allegedly. Yeah. So whatever's going on in New Orleans right now, we don't truly know all the facts. And if one of those facts is they are not going to sign Brandon Ingram to a deal and he's hanging out in Paradise Valley. And, and side note, he was hanging out in Paradise Valley in late August. It ain't fucking pleasant here in late no. August. Right okay. It's still, yeah, it's, it's a- been 110 every day. And so maybe he's hanging out with some friends. Maybe he's getting acclimated here. Maybe while he was hanging out in the bubble, he was hanging out with some of the sons. He's like, you know what? That squad's nice. I mean, again, again, what do I know? Fucking nothing. But again, seeing these little breadcrumbs that Hansel and Gretel are leaving behind, AKA the new Orleans Pelicans. If it can somehow bring itself to fruition, that Brandon Ingram is not re-signed by new Orleans, like James Jones, Start moving some money around, dude. Bring Brandon Ingram to Phoenix so he can hang yes. out in Paradise Valley full-time.
1: Be a great... He'd be fantastic next to Aiden, dude. Like, honestly, if this guy gets signed, like, I think that would be the best signing in a long time since Steve Nash because you're bringing in a guy that's just now starting to become a superstar. And that is something that we need to go along with Devin Booker. Agreed 110%. Maybe, bring him to the Transformation House, our Transformation Center. Yes! <laughs> Bring them there. Check out the cheesy stuff over there. And see yeah, hang out.
0: hang out with Lindsay Smith. She'll show you where what the stadium looks like in a fucking virtual bowl, and yeah. maybe maybe that sign seal delivered. Yes, that might oh. do it. <laughs> so again, you can't overreact when you see players in certain cities. But I saw Paradise Valley, and I was just like, whoa! And he looked stoned as shit in that interview too. Did you see him? Yeah, like he I just hate- he had an edible or something. Oh yeah,
1: I know that feeling.
0: I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> me before every podcast, zoning yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit about the playoffs. What are your thoughts so far on the Boston-Toronto series? Uh, I, you were, I know you got off of work today, so you probably missed the end of the Boston-Toronto I- game. What a that was.
1: I've missed the whole series. I, I really have. I know the first two games, Boston has been really solid. But besides that, I've missed everything. I can't get here on time. And it sucks because they're playing on the East Coast. So, you know, they got to play a little bit early. Even though they're, you feel like they can start a little bit later. Because these guys are always usually up late at night. They're used to it, traveling and stuff. So, maybe they can start a little bit later so I can get home and watch the ending of the game, dude.
0: For some reason, those Boston games, they put on at like 3.30 Arizona 3:30. time. 3.30. Yeah. I'm like,
1: what am I supposed to do?
0: As the bubble progresses and the playoffs progress, you're going to get more games that are going to start at like 6.30, so you can actually watch them. But it's been a great series. I watched I watched the first two games. I didn't see the game today. But Boston's depth, man, I'm telling you. Like, Jason Tatum is a legitimate score. Uh, there was a back and forth I saw on Twitter today. It's like, who would you choose, Booker or Tatum? Like, everybody said Booker. Um, but anyways, he's a great score. The depth of that team Uh, Even with Wanamaker coming in and getting some minutes as a backup guard, everybody's playing well, and it's just their unrelenting defense and offense from the first team and second team has revealed some weaknesses with Toronto, and Toronto is a great team. They're very well coached. They're very technically sound, but their depth is hurting them a little bit right now, and that's depth that they had last year with Kawhi on that team
1: yeah for sure they just have that championship confidence carrying them over right now but they need help they're missing Kawhi, of course but the thing is like with jason tatum like he's great he's good i just his game is just so weird and awkward to me it's like if Mikel bridges was an all-star like it, that's the way his game would look you know what i mean it's just yep. it doesn't seem finished yet so I'm, I'm i'm excited to see how this guy develops um so I don't I don't know I just I can't get a good read on his game I know he's putting up the numbers he's very consistent except for the beginning of the bubble but besides that I mean I can't get a good read on the guy.
0: Well the game today Toronto went up by two and then Boston tied it and had there was 0.5 seconds left and uh, I always get the guy's name wrong Ananobi hit like a yeah, touch Ananobi. yeah he hit a three as t- like a, a throw in across the court touch three to win the game, and that's how Toronto won today because they were down two. And, I mean, other because if that doesn't happen, they're down 3-0 to Boston. And yeah. my prediction for Boston potentially going to the NBA Finals rings true. That being said, I still think it rings true yeah. because they're, uh, Boston's looking good right now, man. They're looking good.
1: Well, my team, that my prediction going to the finals. What about them? The Milwaukee Bucks. Like they're looking great, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, not not so much, man. They're down 0-2 to the Heat, and we've talked about yeah. it multiple times on the podcast. Like the Heat are a scary fucking team. They're a team that just they are in, in the bubble, they're really scary. If you're having home court advantage, if you're in Milwaukee and the crowd's going crazy, it's a bunch of Wisconsinites just drunk off of, you know, loggers and such and IPAs and and mm-hmm. lining Kugels, it's a tough environment to play in, especially for young <laughs> shooters. Well, they're in a bubble where, like Giannis's family's the only people who are on the sidelines, and yeah. Miami's just working them, man. I mean that now that granted that game last night, I don't know if you saw that. It was po- very, very poorly refereed at the end. But that being said, like Miami was up the entire time. Yeah. It it took a semi miracle comeback for uh, Milwaukee to get back in it, and then just some shitty calls after that.
1: Well, what's crazy too is you don't have Aaron Rodgers or Danica Patrick on the sideline. Like if you're missing that, dude, that's home court is best. Um but uh anyways, yeah, I did see the ending of the game last night. I saw the ending of that one, I saw the fouls. It just it, it hurts me yeah. when refs are trying to make a call and be like, Yep, that's the call. Like they're just like so, you know, jerky yes, about it. Like, yeah, they're just like, oh, no, that's a call. Deal with it. Like, yeah, you might lose a game. Sorry. It's just like the stupidest calls, too. I loved it. I forget. These games are all kind of blending in together for me. But there was the one, I think it was the one the night before. Or I don't even know. I can't even go into it because I don't remember. But there was a bunch of flops, and they were not calling them, and well, it was awesome. People that's last night.
0: That's last night. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, shout out to my boy Todd. He said, bold pick. Miami in four or Milwaukee in six. <laughs> Whatever's <laughs> happening. That's what's happening. So shout out to Todd Jacobson on that one. I know he's a Wisconsinite himself. He's a Bucks fan. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's just, again, seeing the foul that Giannis had on Jimmy Butler was the most bullshit foul, followed by this, the Goran Drogic foul on Chris Middleton right before was a bullshit foul too. Yes, it was. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, real quick, thoughts on the Nuggets game seven victory over the Jazz on Tuesday and the style of play that led to it. It was a very low-scoring game. Yeah. And somebody, uh, a guy at MaxMCC11 on Twitter tweeted out, basketball is so much better when it's not a contest between teams trying to draw chicken shit fouls and shoot 40 corner threes. And that's the Mm -hmm. definition of what that game seven was. What were your thoughts on that game?
1: So do you think it's just like a lot of nerves or something with these players, the way they were playing last night? Honestly, I kind of enjoyed the game a little bit. Like, I don't know if it was just because I was spaced out doing something else or what, but honestly, there was there was a time where it was in the middle of the fourth quarter. I looked at the score. I'm like, Oh my God, it's like only 80 to 80. Like I I had no idea it was such a low scoring game, but honestly I felt like the teams themselves besides Donovan Mitchell who has that like fake toughness thing that Bron does and I can't stand it. Like it's just a thing I have with that. I'm not saying he's not a tough guy. I'm just saying it's a fake toughness thing he does Mm -hmm. on the screen. I can't stand that. But besides that, I think that um, it was actually kind of a fun game in the end, right? (laughs) The last uh, minute there.
0: No, it was absolutely fun to watch. I watched that entire game, and yeah, it was a tough watch. You, you, you want to say it was a really defensively well-played game. It wasn't. It was guys missing wide-open shot after wide-open shot after wide-open shot. What that game was was fatigue. Jamal Murray... Donovan Mitchell, those guys have been laid on the line this entire series. I mean, six games of scoring 57 points here, 53 here, 50 here, 47 here. I mean, these guys were going absolutely apeshit. They're playing game seven, playing every other night. And you could see it, man. By the third quarter, those guys just had no legs. Bring into the fact also that Jamal Murray got kneed in the second quarter in his uh, thigh And he was slowed down. So he couldn't put on one of those performances that he'd been doing the whole bubble. So it was, it was a tough watch because guys were just missing wide open threes. But I do like the fact that it wasn't like Dame ball where it's chicken shit foul calls. And, uh, yeah, the last minute of that one was entertaining. It was nice to finally see an entertaining bubble game because a lot of them have been blowouts both ways in that series. And I I, uh, I did the math on it the other day. After 36 playoff games, the average margin of victory was 14.6 points per game. Like it hasn't been entertaining basketball. These past few games are starting to, we're starting to see a little bit more of that entertaining basketball. Uh, the Nuggets, I don't th- feel pose any um, threat at all when it comes to playing against uh, the Clippers. In fact, they lo- they're, they lost 120 to 97 tonight to those Clippers. So
1: yeah, you know they would get blown out the first game, but yeah. honestly, yeah, Jamal Murray has to go off every game for them to have a chance. So and that's, and that's just not his style.
0: Happen. Yeah, it's not. And then you have the Houston OKC Game Seven, which yeah. I mean, Harden just disappears in in big games, man. Disappears.
1: I feel like he did good in this one. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't taking the long stupid threes. He was actually going to the hole, dishing it out, giving guys good looks. Um, he made, of course, a huge block in the end. But it's funny, like he wins a game seven. No one even talks about it. Like I'm a big Harden fan. I thought he did pretty good in the game seven. He was still there. Russell Westbrook, I think he had the ball once in like the last minute. And he totally blew it, of course, at the rim. But besides that, I feel like, I feel like uh, Harden was doing pretty good on the offensive side. He wasn't throwing up stupid shots.
0: No, man, uh, I'm trying to pull it up right now, but I, ha- I haven't. He he shot. Let's see, twenty twenty playoffs yesterday. Four for fifteen from the field, twenty six percent. One from nine from downtown. Yeah. Okay. So he had no offensive game. Now, granted, he made the defensive play of the game a little ASU on ASU crime going against Lou Dort. Um, but I think that he just he doesn't have that aggression to be great in the playoffs. He never has. Whenever. The opportunity presents itself for him to go into hardened takeover mode, which we've seen happen multiple times in the regular season. He does it to the Suns like three times a year. When it comes to in the playoff, like he just he's too lackadaisical and too too nonchalant. I feel.
1: And I was saying though, like when he was actually he wasn't having a good game, but he was trying to get his guys involved in the end, like he wasn't throwing up stupid shots in the end. I thought that's what we were talking about with him just not showing up. Because before, every game seven, anything, any, anytime the game was on the line, I feel like he was just throwing up stupid shots or not doing anything at all. So I feel like he was still involved in the end.
0: Yeah, he was He was involved in the end, but I, I just think that I'd expect a little bit more from James Harden the entire game from a scoring standpoint than, I mean, how many points did he end up in that game last night? Oh, 45. <laughs> yeah, it's right. No, 17. 17 yeah. points. I mean, it's, this, this it's is your franchise. Imagine Devin Booker being in a game seven, and he scores 17 points. Now, mm-hmm. granted, they won, and and this is the game where there was flopping everywhere. This this game was the exact opposite of the Nuggets and the Jazz, because the Nuggets and the Jazz were just, I guess they were just too hip-tired to flop. But, I mean, there was the play where Chris Paul tried to take a flop, and then you see James Harden trying to take a flop, and it's just That's like... So the flops they kept yeah and the no calls and people didn't know what to do
1: because they weren't calling them so they're just like ah, and they threw up like little stupid shots and they were missing them so it was crazy
0: so but that that, that's uh what we think about what's going on in the nba right now and i'll I'll drop it one more thoughts um brains I love that drop. Uh, one, one thing, uh, we'll, we'll do one mailbag question before we get out of here today. Um, this is from Restraw, and he emailed us at session at gmail.com. So if you have any mailbag questions, feel free to email us there, and we'll be happy to mention them on the show. Uh, who is the third best player in Suns history? A, Amari, B, KJ, C, Walter Davis, or D, Other? So obviously Nash and Barkley is... Yeah. number one number two and whatever order you have them in that's on you and i agree with that those are the top two sons of all time who's number three matthew
1: number three i think just because before we were just sons jam session we were whatever sons report we were doing um we were looking back on these players uh walter davis and i think he really hit me as he was maybe one of the top three best players on it that ever played with the sons. so honestly he's gonna be my third Uh, Mari's close, but Walter Davis, what he did with the organization, his play, he has to be the third one out of this list.
0: So you're going with Amari, Walter Davis. So you're going with Walter Davis. Mm -hmm. It's a tough question. Walter Davis statistically is absolutely the number three son of all time, but it's more than that to me. You know, Walter Davis, unfortunately, uh, ended his career with the Suns in an unceremonious fashion, uh, with the drug scandal and things of that nature. So I'm going to take that into effect a little bit just to help sway my position on this. Um, wow. I mean, you know where I'm going to go with this, right? Walter Davis. How about this guy right here, Sean Marion? Sean Marion mm-hmm. was a fucking beast. Sean Marion played for this organization for 10 years. Sean Marion, statistically, win shares, defense, everything. Mm-hmm. This guy was a fucking monster for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, he also too left in unceremonious fashion, but it was a trade. It was in the drug scandal that got him out of Phoenix. But I absolutely love Sean Marion, and, and Walter Davis is not. I mean, there's no wrong answer to this. You know, Raymond Gonzalez in the chat says Alvin Adams. Statistically, yeah, I mean, the guy was a ten year vet for the Suns. Didn't play anywhere else. Put up amazing numbers uh during the late or the 70s and the early 80s and was part of a lot of really good teams back then. I, I just think Sean Marion, if I go back and look, it's between Sean Marion and Amari. Uh KJ too is right there, but I, I'm I'm gonna give it to other. I'm gonna go Sean Marion on that one. Okay. Yeah, see other,
1: I thought you can just select other, but you couldn't choose the other team. So I was oh man, I'm really bad at these, but honestly drug shmugs, like who cares? Everyone did drugs back then as long as as long as he wasn't porking like people that shouldn't be porked like i Por- i think <laughs> porking. <laughs> yeah it's just drugs dude i mean poor guy had an addiction i would be addicted too but
0: he's porking uh, yeah pork- like- <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> <laughs> like- it's my, my dad uses that phrase porking yeah. <laughs> oh my god well uh <laughs> i think that's i think on the porking note we're gonna end this here podcast uh you know cheers matthew to 80 podcasts for the bright side of the sun network we appreciate all of our Jamster listeners for hanging out with us once again. Truly appreciate it. Whether you're listening yeah. to us on the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network or you're watching the live stream on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, uh, truly appreciate it. A um, lot of great things upcoming for the Phoenix Suns. The draft is, you know, a month and a half away, and we're going to continue to crank out content that talks about upcoming draft pick possibilities, uh, some free agent uh, or not free agent uh, sign and trade potential people that we might have out there. Yes. Um, but the, but fun. we. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Uh, make sure, as always, that you subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, whether uh, it be on Spotify or Stitcher or Google Play or whatever it is, or Apple Podcasts. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well and give us a thumbs up on the videos. We really appreciate that. It helps our metrics, if you will. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Jam. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. I'm Matthew. Lissa. And you can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. Uh, that's it for this podcast. I'm going to go grab me another beer because this one's empty. All right, everyone, go home and love your family. Sounds good. Peace.